Sony. Hello, Canada. Today is October 10th, 2021. Welcome to a full edition of Canadian Common Sense. 45 minutes of uncensored so far, unedited, unscripted commentary on Canada's issues. It is Tony in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC. How are you, my man? Well, I'm just getting all packed up today so I can leave for my hunting trip in the morning. And uh, and I'll be gone for a week, so there won't be a full episode of Canadian Common Sense this Wednesday. That's why we're doing it today. Um, and uh, we'll be returning with a, another full episode on, I believe it's the 20th, Wednesday the 20th. Excellent. That does sound right. You may be able to look forward to a rant or two in between, as is typical. Before we start, I do want to apologize that my audio was awful as the end of our last show went along. I don't really know why that was, but I apologize. It was nasty. Yeah, and that's funny because you're the one recording it. So, (laughs) yeah, that is a little bit. Yeah. On the show today, Ting tries to pad that stand up comedy. Good news for Canada's oil patch. Bad news for Justin Trudeau's Sofino vacation. Was Lewis right yet one more time? And is a Trudeau actually good for the Conservative Party? Where do you want to start, sir? Well, let's start with at the beginning with Jagmeet Singh. I always like to start off with that guy. Yes, Jagmeet Singh, of course, the uh, the NDP spent twenty five million dollars on a on this latest election campaign to gain one seat. And Jagmeet Singh has decided he's going to start saber rattling right off the top and said the Trudeau government can't just count on his support, carte blanche. <laughs> 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 oh, Jagmeet. Oh, <laughs> uh, he should be a stand up comedian because that was hilarious. Oh, yes, that was just cute. So, <laughs> <laughs> to think that the Liberals will not have NDP support carte blanche for at least a year and a half to two years is, is, is comedy gold because, of course, they will. The NDP don't have any money. And to to run another campaign, like they're broke, and and, and, and who are the NDP gonna support? The conservatives? Well, exactly. <laughs> I mean, come on, me You, I'm gonna steal one of Tony's lines here. me you're a man. <laughs> Yep, I mean, uh, I suppose if he figures he can run another campaign with TikTok videos like he did this last time around, um, maybe they'll save some bucks. But you're right, they're broke. There's no yeah. one going to be ready for an election campaign anytime soon. No, I mean, the NDP, it, 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 they talk a big game and they get, I mean, the thing with the NDP is they get more support than they get money. Um, the liberals get more support than they get money, and the conservatives get more money than they get support. That's a good way to put it, actually. That's that's, that's pretty accurate, yeah. Yeah. 
So, uh, yeah, Mr. Singh, I, uh, I appreciate the comic relief, but we know darn well you'll be supporting the Liberals. And actually, they don't need you now because they can court 10 votes from the block pretty easily. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's this is this is hilarious because the the Liberal Party is pretty much going to be able to act like a majority government for the most part. Because um, nobody wants to go back to the polls. Everybody knows that it's just going to result in the same old, the, the same numbers as last time. And, okay. and, and they've, so the liberals pretty much do have carte blanche here for at least 18 to 24 months. I mean, Trudeau already said he, he, if he didn't get a majority, he would go back to the polls in 18 months. So we've got about 18 to 24 months of liberal well, liberal minority government acting like a majority and getting away with it. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And, I mean, he probably could carry on the full four years if he wanted to, but you're right, he did say 18 months if he didn't get his majority. So we can at least expect to go that long. Yeah. All right. So, Lewis, does the name John McRoberts mean anything to you? No, it does not. Well, it probably doesn't mean anything to 99% of Canadians, probably 99.9%. But John McRoberts just happens to be the person who owns the luxury beach house where Justin Trudeau spent five nights on a surfing vacation last week. Now, the connection here is that John McRoberts also just happens to be a registered lobbyist for the cannabis industry who registered in 2016 and then lobbied the, the Trudeau government in 2017 to legalize cannabis and I guess succeeded. So we could say he knew Justin Trudeau before renting the beach house. Justin Trudeau claimed he paid for the beach house but won't disclose how much. So, I think we've got another Agacon going on. <laughs> and everybody, everybody um, said we were crazy to even suggest that Justin Trudeau would ever do something like the Agacon again. I mean, the guy is arrogant enough to do it. And I think this is another example of the fact that he's arrogant enough to just do whatever the hell he wants. Yep. And here he goes again. And I don't know if he just figured that nobody would notice Canadians are too dumb or maybe he just is that arrogant that I'm just going to do this. So you're right. You're right on all accounts. Yeah. It's, it's pathetic. And it's, uh, well, really, it just seems like yet another quid pro quo. And, you know, just 10 days after being reelected, the ethics violations have already started. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, this, it, I don't know. I, I don't even know what to say about this guy anymore because it doesn't seem like Canadians even care. Sadly, I think you're right. I think that. Either we are just so used to the corruption that we just sort of turn a blind eye, or we 
watch the people in the Laurentian Triangle who were largely responsible for re-electing Justin Trudeau just shrug their shoulders and go, meh, it's Justin. Well, I mean, this is something I've been saying for a long time, and and I'm going to say it again right now, and I apologize to any of those who, who have heard me say this over and over and over again, is that Canadians have an extremely high tolerance for liberal corruption. But they have no tolerance for conservative policy. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, they'll put up with Justin Trudeau for as long as their tolerance will hold out until they decide to elect a conservative prime minister. And then that conservative prime minister is on a short leash. Yep, that's true. And of course, we're going to be talking a little bit later in the show about a possibility of flipping that, well, at least temporarily. But yeah, sadly, you're absolutely correct. So um, let's move on. We'll talk about a little bit of good news. <laughs> Go figure that on Canadian common sense. We've actually got some good news for Canada's energy industry. And that is that the Enbridge Line 3 expansion has been approved. Now, this Line 3 expansion will be more Western Canadian oil into the Wisconsin and Minnesota markets. I don't know exactly how many more barrels per day it will produce, but hey, good news that the Canadian oil patch can uh, have another lifeline. Yeah, because Eastern Canada certainly doesn't want our oil. Well, exactly. And that, I mean, line five is still up in the air. And as I said in our last show, go ahead and cancel it. Cancel it. Let Ontario and Quebec suffer. They want to do nothing but crap on the Western Canadian energy industry. Let them, let them try and survive without it. Maybe they'll finally start to appreciate it when they've got no gas at the pumps. Do you want to maybe quote a certain Alberta premier named uh, Ralph Klein? Let those eastern bastards freeze in the... Yeah. <laughs> I'll never forget that line. I love that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was good for uh, some one-liners, that's for sure. But that's that's uh, but that's but one that's kind of, you know, accurate these days. I mean, if they don't want our oil so bad, why, why are we trying to force it on them? That's a good point. You're right. Why aren't we trying to force it on them? They want to buy from Saudi Arabia, Nigeria, um, Venezuela. I guess that's up to them, but they could get it much more reliably, sustainably, and probably cheaper right here. And safer. And much safer. Absolutely. Yeah. But, oh, well, is what it is, I guess. Now, Lewis, I know you absolutely hate being right. Uh, but I have to point this out, Canada. Lewis was right yet one more time. Now, you had said, I think when the election campaign started, when we were talking about CERB and the other benefits that the Canadian taxpayer keeps rolling out, and you had suggested that if that CERB would likely end up being curtailed because they would need it as a political tool. Well, what do you know? The talk on the, on the street now is that, well, CERB is hurting the, uh, the business sector, so perhaps CERB should be rolled back 
and the rent and wage subsidy will possibly continue in order to help business get going. Well, you're a business owner, Lewis. How are you feeling right now? Oh, well, you're right. I did say that. I said that a long time ago. I said that last year. Um, like more than a year ago, I said that. And, um, I mean, you never heard about it on the campaign trail. You never heard about it from, uh, the conservative party even. Uh, you never heard about it in the media until election night after the polls closed and the media pundits on TV started talking about how awful CERB has been for small businesses trying to find employees. And, um, and I, and I got quite angry on this show, on our, uh, on our election recap show because of that. I mean, where, where were they during the election campaign talking about this? Why only after the polls closed? Well, we know why. And, and this, is, this is something that I've been railing against ever since last summer when BC opened up. When we opened up, we got out of our lockdown, we opened up, and every single business, including mine, was looking for employees. And we couldn't find any because everybody was on CERB. And that continued right through the winter, into the spring, right through the summer, and right until just after the election. And uh, and I said way back in the spring that CERB was going to be extended uh, past the end of May, because I believe that that was our first uh, termination date was end of May. I think so, yeah. And uh, and I said it was going to be extended out until after the election. And uh, what do you know? It got extended out past the end of the election. And uh, and I did say that I thought it would be cut back or canceled not long after the election because they wanted those votes. And guess what? Tony's right, but I was right. yep that's uh yeah you nailed that one i mean you certainly uh all that and and you're absolutely right it's because they got the vote and now they don't need those votes so they can cut the uh the serp which they should have done you know as you said a year ago when they opened the economy back up but yeah and and it should have been targeted at certain sectors it shouldn't have been carte blanche across the population it should have been targeted at certain segments of the population such as the service industry and it should have only applied when there were lockdowns and when the lockdowns were over remove the uh serb and if there was ever another lockdown bring it back in just for those workers that would have been a much more uh smart way to do it but of course, yeah. we can't count on the liberals to be smart. No, and maybe we wouldn't have had a four hundred and fifty billion dollar deficit. Maybe we would have had, you know, like a hundred and fifty billion dollar deficit. And I mean, I, it's still a huge number, but at least it, you know it would have been a lot smaller. I mean, who knows? I mean, sir, it, it, the the deficit wasn't simply because 
we were paying people to stay on CERB. It wasn't simply because we were paying people to, you know, they're paying uh, rent for businesses. I mean, I don't even know how much of that was accounted for, but we could have had a much, much smaller deficit in this country, and it simply would have been because business would have been able to thrive. Um, because our our tax, the the federal, the, the one of the reasons the deficit was as big as it is is because of the revenue drop from taxes because businesses were unable to operate or operate at full capacity because they couldn't get employees. So, I mean, this is the deficit wasn't simply because we were paying people to stay home and it was that cost that was passed on to taxpayers. It's also the fact that rev- the tax revenues for the government dropped precipitously. And uh, because, because of things like CERB and, and, uh, and, you know, just the pandemic in general. So, I mean, our deficit could have been a lot, a lot smaller had businesses been able to find employees and continue operating at full capacity. And, um, but, you know, we've got dumbasses in charge and, and this is what happens when you uh, elect dumbasses. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. And uh, speaking of dumbass, I forgot to add a, another point on uh, Justin Trudeau when we were talking about him a couple minutes ago. He was invited by uh, the Kamloops Indian Band to come and, and speak at their Truth and Reconciliation Day event. And of course, he claimed that he, quote, didn't see the invitation. But promises he will go and visit them, you know, now that it's all over and now that he knows they want him to come. I remember back when Chief Theresa Spence was protesting in Ottawa for Appawattiscat, and Justin Trudeau promised he would go visit Appawattiscat. That was in 2016, I believe. He still yeah. hasn't gone. So I really don't have a lot of faith that we're going to see him in campus anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, and just to refresh people's memories, um, that was the the uh, chief Spence from uh, Attawapiskat was the one who had the fake hunger strike. Um, or let, let me rephrase that: alleged fake hunger strike. I don't want to be sued for anything, <laughs> but because uh, Teresa Spence is a rather large woman and over. How many days? It was more than 30. Um, never lost a pound. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> so yep. was, and, and said that she was surviving on fish broth or something like that. And it's like, well, that's not a hunger strike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, she, yeah, he, he's never, he's never gone to Ottawapiskat. And, um, I mean, I, he's not a man of his word. He has no integrity, and he has no, uh, um, honor. He has, he, he's not a man of honor, and he's not a man of integrity. So anything Justin Trudeau says, I do not believe. And if you go through life not believing anything Justin Trudeau says, you will be on the right side of history 95% of the time. 
yeah, that, that's actually a pretty good, good, solid way to, to look at it. So, uh, you choose not to believe Justin Trudeau, you're probably better off. Yeah, you'll you'll be right more than him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, that's the thing. I mean, he's just not a man of honor or a man of integrity, and and. So I don't think that the Kamloops Indian Band should ever expect that he's going to actually show up. And if he does, I hope that's one time that I'm wrong. Yeah, and I don't imagine you will be wrong on this one because I think I think Justin Trudeau actually thinks that his you know empty words are enough, and I think that he somehow has it in his head that as long as he you know, says all the right fluffy messages and does all the, the important selfies and photo ops that people will just be like, oh, well, okay, look at him. He's trying. Yeah, I mean, but that's but that's Justin Trudeau's life, right? He's he's trying. Oh, poor Justin, he's trying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sad but true, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean... You, you you gotta you gotta at some point say this guy's an adult. Let's treat him like one. Well, I guess he doesn't act like one, so maybe that's why people give him a pass so much. But well, the guy, I, I I understand that. I mean, and that's exactly what it is. He he's not an adult, and nobody expects him to be an adult, except those of us who are adults. And 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 I mean. It just seems like there's few and far, you know, there's few adults in the room. And I, I don't know, maybe people are just so jaded by politics now and by the endless run of characterless, honorless, integrityless politicians that we just expect people like Justin Trudeau to, um, to be our leaders. And, and I think that that's the wrong way to go about things. I think I think it's it's a horrible um, state of affairs that we're in. That that this is what we expect for a leader. I mean, look look at the U.S. I mean, they got Biden right after they had Trump. I mean, I don't think anybody thought that less than a year into Biden's presidency that anybody would say that Biden is as bad or worse than than Trump ever was and and I mean it's he's he's magnitudes worse just like Trudeau is magnitudes worse than any prime minister we have ever had in the history of this country and that includes Kim Campbell and Joe Clark. And we just accept it. We just roll with it. And we, we, we don't expect anything more. And it, it, it's frustrating. And it's demoralizing. And, and, and I just, I don't know what to say. I mean, Canadians, we, ex- we deserve better. But we don't deserve better unless you vote better. Well, you've actually hit three really good points there. I mean, the first one you had said right off the bat is that 
there are no adults in the room. And that is the best way to describe Justin Trudeau and his cabinet. I mean, as you had said on a previous show, when Christopher Freeland was uh, elevated into the, the cabinet, we had thought, hey, this, this could be a good thing. Yeah. She's proven to be just as much of a joke as the rest of the cabinet. And she's the best one. Yeah. And you're Nobody expects anything better out of those children we've got around the cabinet table. Yeah, it's a real sad state of affairs. It is, yeah. It's uh, it's it's awful. I mean, there. Maybe that should be the next campaign slogan for whatever party wants to win the next election. We'll be the adults in the room. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just, it's so frustrating that. There are some adults in that House of Commons. There are some people of integrity and some honor. But Canadians just refuse to vote for them. And, and it's so frustrating because, I mean, look at what we're dealing with right now. It, it, this is, it looks like a schoolyard. I mean, this is, it's horrendous. Absolutely horrendous. I, I just, it, it's, it's so frustrating that I feel like our show is wasted and it's pointless and, and even airing because nobody seems to be listening or even care. But hopefully one day our message gets through. And I mean, if you look at our, our listening, our listenership numbers, I mean, they keep going up. And, and thank you, thank you to our listeners because our 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 reach is increasing every week. You you'd be surprised to see the percentage increase in our in our listeners every week. It's it's pretty it's pretty awesome. And uh, so I mean, one day I hope that we can reach enough people across this country that people start saying, you know what, maybe. Maybe that Tony and that Lewis really are right. And uh, they start listening and they start expecting more from their politicians. Because I expect a lot from our politicians. These are supposed to be the ruling class. These are supposed to be people that are smarter than us. Yeah, and they're, they're not. They're not. <laughs> no, no. In fact, they're quite a bit dumber. And, and that's not a good thing because I'm pretty dumb. And and they're really dumb because I'm a part of genius in comparison. Yeah, well, exactly right. So, oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I just bet you're a genius compared to them. I wouldn't say you're dumb. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> All right. So, one more topic to cover on the show, and actually ties in with what we've been talking about, and that is. I want to discuss if perhaps this latest Trudeau victory could actually be a good thing for the Conservative Party of Canada. And here's my thoughts on it. I think that a Trudeau victory is good. We had discussed this, I think, before the election was even called, that whoever the next government was going to be is going to have to oversee all the fallout from... The, the pandemic spending and the economic devastation and the absolutely horrible policies that 
the Trudeau government has had for six years for this country. And I now see chickens coming home to roost in that you're starting to face an affordability crisis. And Canadians talked about this during the election, but yet the pollsters still told us that Canadians thought Justin Trudeau was the one to get us out of this. But now I've seen this in my own community. The price of gasoline is up 18% from what it was in October of last year. And groceries, produce especially, is up 20%. And natural gas, which is, doesn't affect us right now for home heating, but natural gas is up 100% in cost. Well, that's going to hurt us in a prairie winter. So I think that the Justin Trudeau is going to have a heck of a lot of turmoil on the home front to deal with and that him and none of the children in this cabinet are equipped to handle. No, they absolutely aren't. Um, because like I said, they're like a bunch of elementary school children and they've got about the same intelligence level. Um, yeah. I, here's the thing. This is something that most Canadians do not know because they're not paying attention. The inflation rate in Canada right now is about 3.5, I believe, right? In that ballpark, yeah. Yeah. Here's what Canadians don't know. Our inflation rate in Canada is not, not tied to housing costs and energy costs. I did not know that. Those two major components are not included in our inflation rate, whereas they are in the States. And that's why in the U.S. they have 5.5% inflation rate and we only have 3.5% inflation rate. Our inflation rate is actually substantially higher than the American inflation rate if you take into account the same factors. Oh, for sure it would be. Because because housing in Canada has increased dramatically. Uh, Just my house alone has increased in the past uh, 18 months, I believe, has increased uh, almost 50%. Wow. The, The cost of energy has gone up by between, well, depending on which energy you talk about, Natural gas, like you said, is up 100%. Uh, Gasoline is up uh, 20%. Um, I mean, we've got huge increases across the country in housing and in energy, and neither of those are included in our uh, uh, inflation rate. Now, we have some real problems coming up. I was just at a shoe store yesterday buying boots for my hunting trip and I walked in and there are shoe boxes stacked from floor to ceiling throughout the entire store so much so that you had to squeeze past these piles of boxes to get in to the store and I said what's going on here and they said our suppliers have been telling us for months that we are facing a shoe shortage uh, over the winter and into next year. So we've been stockpiling shoes 
for the past couple of months. Oh my goodness. You know, so, actually, I can see that because if you, uh, now this is how nerdy I am. If you look online, you can actually get a, a, a tracker of shipping container ships. And there are so many cargo ships around the world who are waiting to be unloaded because they can't unload the stock that they have. And the cost of shipping is going through the roof because you've got demurrage from all these ships that are waiting to unload and can't because there's not enough employees to unload a lot of these ships yeah. to the point where there's companies like Amazon are actually sending their own cargo planes over to places like China and Vietnam and wherever else they, they source from to try to avoid exactly what you're talking about. And it's even worse in the tech sector. I mean, we've already seen new vehicle production, for example, stopped in some cases because they can't get the computer chip for their vehicles. So yeah. it's uh, it's going to get worse, Canada. Oh, there's it's, it's so much worse than people think. Like, if you think the toilet paper shortage of 2020 was bad, wait until you go to the store and you can't get vegetables. Because that's coming, too. There's going to be a food shortage. I mean, one thing we know is that we just had Western Canada and Western U.S. just had the a massive drought and heat wave this year. And grain yields are down, depending on what the grain is and where we're talking, like which province or state, the yields are down 30 to 70%. So that translates to shortages in flour and other foods that, that, that contain grains. So we're going to have shortages. And we also, there's also a, a reduction in vegetable yields and everything. Like this is, this is about to hit us and nobody knows it's coming. There's a rubber shortage. And you're not going to be able to get tires over the winter or into spring. Like, this is all common. This is what I've been told by my tire shop here locally. They said we can't even get tires. Like, wow. this, is, this is bad. And people don't know this is even happening. There's going to be all kinds of shortages in everything coming up. I mean, we, like, you, like you said, cars is all, already, we've been facing car shortages for a year and a half now, or, or well over a year anyway, where they, uh, they can't get semiconductors, they can't get chips, um, and the Chinese have just finished buying American companies that produce these things, like produce semiconductors, and then have uh, shut down the American production of them. So, I mean, it's it, everything is being produced in China now. Everything. And they're not letting them come here because they need them. And we, we, we've kind of made our own bed here, and now we got to lay in it. And the problem is, it's going to get ugly. Well, and we're seeing some of that already. I mean, anybody who's going to the grocery stores, there, there are some empty shelves already. I mean, it's not of a centralized, but... But you're right. That's coming. I mean, we're uh, we're looking at, at some pretty massive shortages, and it's not just because they can't find enough 
uh, longshoremen to unload some of these these container ships. That's a big part of it. But then there's also there's been a shortage of truck drivers for decades, and that's just coming home to roost because now there's not enough trucks to get stuff out of the port when the ships get unloaded. And it's uh it's spiraling through the whole economy. So those shortages are going to hit us sadly when we least expect it and aren't prepared for it. Oh, absolutely, exactly. This is this is this is not this is not good, and nobody's ready for it. No, so so that's why I say that uh, the Trudeau government is the absolute most inept government we've had. So we know that they will not be the ones to carry us through this crisis effectively. And I think that when that government falls, finally, people are going to say, okay, whoa, these guys really messed it up. And if Aaron O'Toole stays on as leader of the Conservative Party of Canada, people are going to look and say, hey, you know what? He can't be worse. And that might just be what what he needs to get into in, into a government. And I, and I really hate that that's how people are going to look at him. I mean, oh, you right. can't be worse. Yeah, but, I mean that's that's so terrible. But, I mean, honestly, that's how I feel about him too. I, I just I feel he can't be worse. I mean, he's he's not my ideal pick for sure, but he's definitely better. And and I and I just I'm just um, if you notice, there was only one federal leader in that last campaign. One federal leader that did not attack certain demographics of Canadians and depict them as evil. And that was the conservative leader. He was the only one. That's true. Yeah. But, you know, I just. This is just. You're right. I mean, like, we, we don't have the right government in power. We don't. I mean, and it's and they've proven themselves to be not the right party or people to to carry Canada through this. I mean, they, they but at least well, okay. Let me put a positive spin on it to end this show. At least Justin Trudeau is not as bad as the Australian or New Zealand prime ministers. You're right. He's not. And yeah, I think about the final spin I'll put on this is Canadians historically have always looked at conservative governments as being better managers of the economy. And I think that Canadians just kind of thought, well, the economy is not that bad. I mean, we're not that bad off that we need conservatives to bail us out. But give it a year and people are going to be begging for somebody to bail us out. Well, you know, that's what I thought going into this last election. <laughs> so, I don't know that Canadians will ever beg for somebody to bail us out of the mess we're in because I thought that would have happened a month ago. Um, I just, I, I, don't, I don't know how much, how much Canadians know about what's happening in Australia and New Zealand, but wow, thank your lucky stars you're in Canada living under Justin Trudeau. Because <laughs> What's happening in Australia and New Zealand is nothing short of tyrannical authoritarianism. Oh, you're absolutely right. And yeah, you know, <laughs> but if everyone wants to say I'm happy to have Justin Trudeau as a prime minister, I'll just say I'm happier to have him than what they've got down under. Yeah. 
Oh my God. Like, have you seen the pictures of armored medical trucks being delivered in Australia? I did not see that, but I did see people getting arrested in the street because they couldn't prove with a photo that they were actually at home when they were told to be at home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, swarms of police. Like, not just like two or three, or even five or six, or even 10 or 11. They're like 25 or 30 cops descending on one person. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's full on police state. It's just, it's. I feel for our brothers and sisters under. It's awful. Yeah, and and uh, and just do a search on online for armored medical trucks in Australia, and you'll find pictures of these giant, like fully armored vehicles being delivered into uh, New South Wales, and they're. They're like full-on military armored vehicles with uh, that are painted UN white with red crosses painted on the doors. Like this is, it's really concerning. Wow, that's nuts. Yeah, yeah. Well, there we go, Canada. We managed to find a, a good downer to end the show on, which we always do for you. <laughs> <laughs> So um, thank you, Lucky Stars, that we are not Australia and New Zealand. But, but, but there, there's the positive. Thankfully, we're not them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, Canada, thank you so much for tuning in. And we will get you another full episode on the 20th. You can probably look forward to a rant in between now and then. But until then, it is Tony in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC. Good night. Good night, Canada. and Tony.